0: Look in verse 5. Notice a little phrase toward the latter part of that verse. And it says, For he hath said, talking about God. Then look in verse 6, how it begins, So that we may boldly say, For he hath said, so that we may boldly say. I want to direct your minds into the Word of God this morning. This subject, the basis of our boldness. The basis of our boldness. I invite you to be with us this evening. Be the third in a series we're doing on a slave nation as we're learning things about God's deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt and what that means in our lives the things which were written four times were written for our instruction, and we learned some things from it about following God in fullness, freedom, not being slaves to the lust of this flesh, uh, to the pressures of our time, to the fears which tried to manipulate. And uh, so that's all important. And uh, tonight, God, I'm going to be speaking on resistance to deliverance. Now, you hear that title, you might think we're well, talking about how Pharaoh tried to keep them or something like that. It's not the message. Uh, resistance to deliverance is dealing with those who are being delivered. They resisted being delivered, and it is one of the more aggravating, vexing parts of our human nature. A lot of times we fight against what's trying and who's trying to deliver us, and so you won't be here for that tonight. If you want to get a little ahead of things, don't start now while I'm preaching this morning's message, but Exodus 5 is where we'll be out of tonight, and um, that'll, it'll help you to be, be there. But for now, I want to help you with this thing, a basis of our boldness. Here's a statement for you, scriptural. We know from the Word of God that God does not want His people to be arrogant, but He does want them to be bold. There's a big difference. We've had way too much arrogance. On Christianity, we need more boldness in Christianity. Arrogancy, which is the biblical way that shows up, is a swelling or pompous manner. It's the idea of being stiff necked and overbearing in your words or actions. The person who just always acts like they're in charge, telling everybody what to do, and you know, well, my opinion's right, and you're no opinion. You know, just shut you off no matter what you're saying, that's arrogant. (laughs) Arrogance is to be strictly avoided. Proverbs 8, 13, listen carefully. I read this to you. Listen to what God says about arrogancy. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. In the evil way, in the froward mouth, do I hate. That's what the Lord said. By the way, the word froward means perverse. Out of order. It could be vulgar talk. Uh, it can be uh, twisted talk, deceitful talk. God said, I hate it. Because God's given us the capacity for communi- communication so that God can be glorified and that His truth can be known. And when we take it and twist that, use it for other purposes, God, God hates that. And so God said, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. He so what does it mean to fear the Lord? You're going to hate those three things if you do. By the way, first person we ought to hate pride in is ourselves. We need to, we need to develop a thing of um, sensitivity to the Lord to where um, we get ready to say something or we're getting ready to do something. And even, may, may, I, may I intrude this far? Even when we are thinking out a scenario in our mind, we need to allow there to be a filter that has to go through. Is this pride-based? Why am I saying this? Why am I thinking this? Is this getting glory to me? Is this proving what I know? We're just honoring the Lord. Tell you, we'll be a little bit quieter, folks, if that's the case. (laughs) We'll be more careful for sure. Then, what is boldness? Boldness is frank in utterance, confident in spirit and demeanor. I love being around someone who's confident in what they're doing. By the way, let you in on a secret. Even very confident people have their fears and doubts. But the confidence, not arrogant, and brash, braggy type people, but confident people, they know what they're doing. Um, some years ago, Luke had a surgery on his foot and one of the reviews of the surgeon that did the work, he did excellent work, he was an excellent, excellent surgeon to work with. When I reviewed, I wanted to know, you know, before you hire a medical professional, I just said something you ought to catch on to, Before you hire a medical professional, which is how you need to look at it, Um, instead of them being a god in a white coat, when you hire a medical professional, do some research on the person. And uh, it was interesting, everything, anywhere that had anything to do with the the type of injury and and the type of surgery, all the research, all the stuff, had his name attached to it. This fellow not only taught, he had fellowships from a bunch of different teaching schools and He's the man everybody went to to find out about the surgery. I thought, well, that's pretty good. Then I found some negatives about him. You know what every one of them was? He's, he's rash. I think one said cocky, something like that. We met him. Luke and I both liked him. He wasn't, he wasn't arrogant at all. He knew what he was doing. There wasn't anything about his demeanor that walked in the room and said, I don't know for sure. But if I mess it up, amputation is always available. You know, he, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. He talked, And by the way, when you ask him a question, he listened, gave you an answer. Boldness, being very frank about things, having a spirit of confidence. And uh, remember the two things I was showing you there in the passage? He has said, so that we may boldly say, And so boldness in Proverbs 28.1, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That's why it's very easy to control a wicked generation with fear. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. By the way, that's why wicked forces don't like righteous people, because they will not be cowed and they will not be forced. They, they're bold. They have a strength that comes of knowing truth. And so the wicked flee when no man pursues. Some people are just scared scared of their own shadows. And they're just scared. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Why? Because they have a basis for it. They know where they're coming from with things. God wants us to be bold. In verses 5 and 6, He, gives, he tells us what gives birth to our boldness. You say, oh, I'd like to be bold. Again, bold is not arrogant. Bold is not cocky. Bragging. Tell you what I'm going to do. That's not bold. That's arrogance. Well, there's one thing. I'm going to... You know. Many of you have lived long enough. You've been around Christianity long enough. You've lived long enough to see a lot of these, well, I'm always going to stand people just wipe out. It does us better to have a quiet confidence in the Lord. And say, you know what? God's able. By the way, you can guide your families that way, gentlemen. Regardless of what anybody prints, regardless of what what becomes popular among religious circles, the man was given to be the head of the house and the head of the woman. In biblical context, you get the full scope of what that means it's a protector, provider, one who loves, one who cares. There's a strength to doing it the right way. And uh, there's a lot of leadership that's involved by just having a boldness and a quiet confidence that even when you don't know what the answer is, even when maybe you're not quite sure what to do next, you can you can look and say, you know what? I'm not sure. Talk together. Believe it or not, I don't think there's a lot of you men in here who need to hear this, but just in case you do, that... That lady that the Lord gave you is very precious to her, to him. Now, I'm confused. Uh, It's very precious to him, to the Lord, individually. For this couple, she may be a whole lot smarter than you give her credit for. In fact, wisdom may not be measured by measuring up to the way you process things. Important to keep in mind. So when that respectful and that right relationship's there, and yet as the husband, as the leader, as the head, you're giving direction, and you don't know quite where to go, you say, great, they have me leading this expedition. I don't know where I am for sure. You know what? Being able to say, I'm not completely sure, but God's never failed us yet. I'm not completely sure, but God's been with us up to this point. You know what? We're going to do what we know is right, and there's some things we won't know until the Lord brings it to pass. Well, there's there's confidence in that. It's boldness. That's what God wants out of God's people. He wants you to be bold. He wants you you not to be afraid to be a witness because somebody said that might not be acceptable. He wants you not to take take the back seat to things. He wants you to be bold about the name of Jesus Christ. Um, You don't have to have an extrovert personality. God will use you. And so, what is it? It's The boldness comes from... The fact of the promise of God. Look in verse 5 again. I've showed you this. He has said. And what did he say there? I will never do what? Leave thee nor what? Forsake thee. He says not only will I not leave you. But he says I I won't let you be bereft of what you need for your situations. And because of that promise. We may boldly say. The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The basis of our boldness is not our own strength and wisdom. The basis of our boldness is not our prior achievements. The basis of our boldness is the fact that God has said some things we can depend on. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Sometimes you'll come to a time in life where you just say, Well, I know what the Lord said, and I'll just keep going with that. The rest of it may or may not figure out, but we'll just keep going in what we know to do that's right. Peter and John are good examples. Look in Acts chapter 4. Let me show you something with this. Peter and John are good examples with this. Acts chapter 4. Peter's speaking to those who are bringing opposition against the early church and what they were preaching. 5,000 people have gotten saved. Layman lame man was healed. We learned about him today in our Sunday school and adult Bible classes. And then Peter's preaching to this vast multitude that gathered upon seeing this miracle. Verse 10, he says, "...Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's quite a statement. They're looking at thousands of Jewish people. And there are people, you can tell from what was preached when we were in Acts 3, there were people in that group that Peter and John knew were there at the crucifixion of Christ. They specifically speak to people in that group and they said, you you denied Him before Pilate. You killed the Prince of Life and you asked for a murderer to be given to you. I mean, they say that right to their face. This is a crowd that had had enough butchery on their mind, some of them, to be crying crucify Him and taking pleasure in watching a man destroyed and tortured the way that Christ was. And so they look right at Him, this big, huge crowd, and say this is what we're talking about. Here's who Christ is. And what a statement to make in a Jewish place at the temple. There's none other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. I'd say that's a pretty bold message. That's pretty strong. Look, look what it says about it, though. When you look down after they made that statement in verse 13, now when they, those that, that they're talking to here now, those who are the Sadducees and priests have put them on have put them on trial, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Well, what happened to Them is described in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 8 1. I want you to turn back to that one. Look in Ecclesiastes. You've got Psalms, Proverbs, and your next book is Ecclesiastes as you're heading towards the New Testament. Ecclesiastes 8. Verse 1, here's what was happening in their life with this boldness the Holy Spirit was giving them at this time. It says, Who is the wise man and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. And they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. When they looked at them, they said, They're bold, they weren't arrogant. They weren't being brash and braggy and cocky, but they're bold. They're not backing off of the message. They are speaking the truth. Put your knees now, man. Sit right, Sit. right. There you go. There you go. Uh, they it they they were saying this is the message and this is what you did and we'll tell you the truth regardless of it and uh, that's boldness. Well, where did that boldness come from? It came because they knew the Lord and they had walked with Him. You see a Christian lacking in boldness, and again, please realize, we're not talking about personality type here. We're not talking about you just having to be an extrovert who talks to everybody you meet. That's not boldness. Somebody who has that quiet strength, that can stand, that uh, won't give in to the wrong thing and and, and is willing to, willing to uh, uh, tell people about the Lord. Uh, young folks, I was telling them uh, about... Uh, the ones who weren't there last night at the harvest party about the response when I asked how many young people want to be able to tell people about the Lord. I was amazed. Almost all the youngins that were there raised their hand and want to do that. And they need to have boldness. It's the boldness of being in a public school where that may not be popular, but yet telling people about Jesus Christ. Boldness of having friends and maybe their idea of conversation is filthy talk, filthy words, all sorts of stuff. You do know you have all kinds of seven, eight, nine-year-olds hooked on pornography. All sorts of filth going on. You're dealing with a decadent time. I mean, it's it's it's, it's the stuff is amazing. And if our young people that we love, who we're always so glad are here, our young people over here coming into young adulthood, if they're going to have boldness birthed in them. It's going to have to be because of that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when they, they, they perceived, they said, wait a minute, they've not been trained for public speaking. Come on, they were fishermen. When you were fishermen, with the type of fishermen they were, you weren't trained in, in, in what they called letters. You weren't trained in speaking. And you weren't trained in, in, in scholarly things. But yet they were bold. And they were convicting and powerful. Why? Because they had been with Jesus Christ. Anything that will make the church of the Lord Jesus Christ bold, it's time with our Savior. May God help us to have that. We need it. God definitely wants us to be bold. And what He says gives birth to the fact that we can save. Because He said we can save. Um, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, also, boldness increases, canon does increase. Look in Acts 13. I'm not very bold, all right? That's not a permanent state of being for you. It doesn't have to be. If it is, you will, either out of choice or neglect, or keep it that way. Acts 13. Look in verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And that's a pivot point there with the ministry going into the Gentile nations in full strength. But listen, it says when they wax bold. What's that word wax mean? It means it's, they got more and more bold. They, they had some boldness to start with. They were already speaking for the Lord. But there was more boldness. There was more boldness. There was more boldness. I was ever grateful for something that happened many years ago. And what uh, for me as a pastor was a pivotal time here in our church. And I uh, went to, a, uh, there used to be a preacher's meeting in uh, Texas. And they called it Soul Winning Clinic. And especially in those early days, it was a very good meeting. Uh, there was a bunch of politicking and stuff going on in those days. And it was a... Uh, it was just good it was it was a good meeting you'd get preaching and training and things and they'd bring in people to help out pastors with different aspects of you know operating the church and such and it was just a good meeting and uh, one night uh, the preaching was going on I have to confess to you I was at a rather low spot not just temporarily as far as pastoring and the church here young and me young as a pastor and some things that I thought were burdens which I've since learned only seemed to be at that stage. Um, they they were uh it was just it was just an important time so were you thinking about quitting no oh, honestly it wasn't that's not um i can't say i couldn't think about it but that's just not a thought process and but it was a low time and um i remember um dr greg up and preached and he uh, he preached on the valley of dry bones how many of you know that account is not that unusual and he took the prophet. God took the prophet and sent him in a valley that was full of dry bones where an army had been killed and a bunch of dry bones. And God asked the prophet a question. He said, Son of Man, which is a title used for Ezekiel, sometimes in the Old Testament. Here, check out what happens with this, Hunter. He says, God says, Can these bones live? I mean, there's all these skeletons. Can these bones live? I, I can tell you. I know exactly where I was sitting in the auditorium. I actually thought this. I thought, Now there's a question I need to know. <laughs> that's what I've been asking. And uh, he said, "Can these bones live?" And Ezekiel, being a wise man as well as a prophet, said a good answer to God. He said, "Oh Lord God, thou knowest." Now that's the way you answer God, <laughs> You know. And uh, you know what he said to him? He said, "Preach." He said, "Prophesy to these bones." Here you know, I told the prophet to do? He said, preach. Just start preaching the word. And bone came upon bone. Y'all know that one, don't you? The shin bone connected to the knee bone. Amen. And the shin bone connected to the titanium, according to where you are in life. But... <laughs> <laughs> and so... <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I got a witness from a sister on that one. That. I... And he just kept through the message. Preach! Preach! You know all that did? That told me just stay on track. Do what your calling is. Get at it. Stay at it. Keep doing it. Keep learning. Keep growing. Why? Because the Word of God will do what the Word of God will do, and it will do what nobody else can do. And it doesn't matter where you are, when it is, or what is in front of you. The Word of God is the power of God in that, and God will work in His people. He will effectually work in those that believe. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It literally is dynamite in our hands. Just get the Word of God out. That's it. That's it. I was talking to a fellow, he works with a realtor company, and I uh, had some land out our way, but I met him yesterday, I was holding up on uh, Chicken Coop Hill Road, and going back to our old home roosting place on Chicken Coop Hill, and uh, the, uh, I, I was up in there, and a fellow I tried to catch last week, and his neighbor told me what his name was, and we just got talking, there were a bunch of men coming in, going, getting ready to go hunting, and um, there, some kind of thing they were doing, and We got to just get into things a little bit. And I told him, I said, we're trying to get the Word of God to as many people as possible. That's it, man. It'll do the work. I don't have to be a salesman. I don't have to be slick about something. Get the Word of God to people. Why? Because he said, we can say. Wax bold. You get bolder with it. I'm telling you. It's a little intimidating sometimes going out to these places like the fair and stuff. You got this big group of people. You know what I found out I got to do? I don't know how you all would work with this. I've got to give a track to the first person I see. I don't care if it's my wife. Amen. Uh, (laughs) I've got to do that you say why because if I walk past five or ten people I'll walk past a hundred if I walk past a hundred I'll walk past two hundred I walk past two hundred I'll swear I have strep throat and go home I've got to get myself moving you can wax bold you can grow and by the way don't you know by understanding the Bible every step you take with that God will help you with it and so boldness can and does increase. A good example of waxing bold is a rich man. His name is Joseph. And he lived in a town called Arimathea. It's interesting. In John 19, verse 38, we learn something about Joseph. The Bible says, this is interesting." interesting phrase. It says he was a disciple, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Now, it's interesting. God said He was a disciple. Isn't that wild? A lot of times we'll write people off if they're not bold or something. God said, no, He's a disciple. So that means He was trying to obey and follow Jesus Christ, but He was secretive about it. Oh, no, if He doesn't make an outward stand. God God disagrees with you on that. Because He was a disciple. That wasn't some man's valuation, But secretly. Because of fear of the Jews. He had a lot to lose by being identified with Jesus. At that time of his life, he was scared of losing or what would happen. So here he was, and he would have been a man conflicted in his life because of that. And yet, something happened to Joseph. He saw Christ crucified. And he saw what Jesus went through for him. And let's see what this man who was. A secret disciple because of his fear. Let's see what happens once he really saw Christ and what he did. Look at Mark chapter 15. You know, one of the reasons we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I'm glad we have ways in which we can get the word to some people who can't be together as a church. But you and I have both the blessing and the responsibility to gather as a church. None of those other things are supposed to take place of that. One of the reasons why we meet together is to exhort one another. To strengthen each other to go on for the Lord. Do you know um, these secret disciples need to... uh, um, They don't need scorn. They need to know that they can do something for the Lord and and God did something for them. That's the most important part. Because once we realize what God did for us, it's very hard not to want to do something for him. Mark chapter 15, look in verse 43. Remember this man? That we, it says over there in John 19, the fact that he uh, was a secret disciple. Look what happens after that time. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, verse 43. I don't know if I said that. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in How? boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Another place in the Bible lets us know that he begged. That's what that craving brought to. Do you know where they got the body? It wasn't delivered to him. Do you know where Joseph went to get that body? To the cross. How many people, I wonder, watched him ascend that hill and be publicly identified with carrying for the body of a man who just got crucified ostensibly on a charge of treason against the Roman Empire. They knew for sure that the Jews had delivered him because of envy, and that Jewish crowd. All the leaders who had power to do something hated him. Joseph, who was a man held in high esteem but right up and took that bloody butchered body down, and then, and then, where did he put it? Zone own tomb. His own tomb. And especially in their society, that was a sign of identification and high honor. Now that's bold. That's the same man, that same man-face that had been scared to let anybody know they were a Christian just a little while before that. What changed it? They saw what Christ did. And you and I would never look with our natural eyes upon the bloody body of Christ on Calvary, nor would I want to, honestly. But by understanding the Bible, we can see what our Lord did for us and it will make you bold. What's the basis of our boldness? Not arrogance. Not our accomplishments. To who Christ is. Huh. It's interesting... When we understand this, we understand that prayer for boldness and utterance is scriptural. And it's a way we ought to pray for those who minister the Word, for our missionaries and others. Paul said in Ephesians, pray for me that the door of utterance will be opened unto me that I may boldly say. That's a scriptural prayer. If you ever want to know how, sometimes we say, let's pray for our missionaries. Sometimes we say, let's pray for those those that we support. Now you've got your Bible reading and... uh, uh, I don't know for sure. Did they hand these out or make these available back and be strong? Yeah? They're on the table then, young folks. Uh, you can get them before you go out. These are November's readings. Uh, when you look at these, okay, here's, here's ones we support out of this church. They say, how do we pray for these folks? How about a door of utterance? God give them opportunity to speak. Give them... Uh, doorways into people's lives to deal with them as they're dealing with many different cultures, different things. And then pray for them to have boldness. Do you think it might be easy to be intimidated if you were living as a foreigner in a land where the entire culture was set against what you're bringing? It's one thing to be in America, even in our current heathen state of where America is, in lack of Bible knowledge, where America is. But you're not going into a population base that's never heard of any of this. You'll find some people, but the population base, when you come up and say, I want to talk to you about the Lord, you start talking about Jesus. For most people you'll talk to, that's at least something familiar to them. They've heard about it. It's it's something that's there. Do you think it might be intimidating to be around a bunch of people where you stand out? You're different. Maybe they have hundreds and even thousands of years of ancestor worship, worshiping false gods, and there's idols out where they're literally giving gifts to these false gods on the street. You're going to see it in our country more and more. And you've got this going on, and you're coming up and saying, no, there's something different. Let me tell you about the Creator God and He sent us down to the earth. you think there might ever be a time you'd feel intimidated? We should pray for boldness for it. It's one of the scriptural ways to pray you want to read about that later, it's in Ephesians 6, especially verses 19 and 20. You will mark that down and check that out later. You'll find out I'm right on target biblically with that. Um, when, the, when the early believers were confronted with opposition in Acts 4, we read a little bit of it. When they were, when they were confronted with opposition, they prayed for boldness. God ground us boldness. That's what they said in Acts 4.29. And in Acts 4.31, they spake with boldness. It's a prayer that you can get answered. God, give me boldness to speak in your name. You say, well, I still feel scared. (laughs) Boldness does not equal lack of fear (laughs) that you'll not feel that emotion. But boldness is a frank, decided, determined way of doing things. Just speaking clearly. Talking very, very straightforward with folks and in a kind way. Why? Because when they were confronted with the opposition, they prayed for boldness. Okay, they say you can't do this. Well, God help us have boldness to keep obeying you no matter what. Well, I'll tell you what, you can't do that. Yeah. God help us have boldness to keep getting your word out. Well, our town and ours hasn't, it hasn't done this. It's kind of funny in Lancaster the way the law actually is on it. Um... Well, our town doesn't allow solicita- solicitating, solicitation. Solicitating? Uh, solicitation. Solicitation. <laughs> solicitation. I've been in new word. We're hearing the fellow say that. Well, we're in a tough town. There's no solicitation. I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's not what you're doing. Get the gospel out. Now, Our town's not that way. Specifically, legally in town, we, there's a differentiation in this town between giving the gospel out and solicitation. But whether it was or not, we're going to give out the gospel. Not that we are trying to be a thorn in the side of any Elected official, or just say, Oh, we're not going to do what you say. No, but that's the direct command in the Bible. We're not going to disobey that. Period. All right. Boldness. We have, we have orders from heaven. This is what we do. We go out, we, go, we, we get the gospel to people. And uh, you got boldness to do it, do it the right way. And then, boldness is born of Jesus' promise of steadfast care to us. By the way, because of that boldness, we should use it both to be helpful to ourselves and to others. Let me show you the verse dealing with this. Look in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Turn back just from where you were. I don't want you to answer me out loud, but are you a bold Christian? Your boldness will decrease and dissipate in direct proportion to how much you are chasing after the applause and things of the world. The two are incompatible. Boldness increases the more we understand how good God's been to us, and we want to honor Him with our lives. Hebrews chapter four. This is a great passage. Absolutely, love. Look at the look at verse verse fourteen. Well, okay, I want to start you back in verse thirteen, actually. Let's start in 12. I promise I'll stop before I get to Genesis. (laughs) It's all good, man. eh? For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and and, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight. Made open, made clear. That's what manifest is. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now watch where the boldness comes from. Let us therefore... What's the therefore therefore? Because we have a high priest who feels our infirmities because of what Christ has done. Let us therefore come... How? Boldly. Where? Unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy... And find grace to help in time of need. May I say to you today, it's not only finding grace to help us, which is real and valid and a good thing, but it's also grace to help in time of need. Grace is most helpful to us when we use that grace to be helpful to others. We come boldly to the throne of Grace. For some folks, it's hard for them to come boldly to God's throne. It's hard to pray. Why? Because they are nagged by this thought and this mindset. Eh, I'm going to talk to God in forever. And now I'm in trouble and I'm going to be talking to Him. Sure, that would rob you of your boldness. Sure, that would sap away your confidence. But if there's regular relationship and regular communication between you and God, it's a very natural thing to go to God's throne, the throne of grace. <laughs> I love that term. And find what you need the time when you need it and when time for you to help someone else needs it. And that boldness is born out of knowing who He is. The very thing that brought me to this message and knowing it was for our church for this morning is that first little section we started with, Hebrews 13. For He has said, so we may boldly say. Because He said... I can say. Because He did, I can do. Because He is, I can be. And the basis of our boldness is the steadfast person of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank You for Your people. It's amazing to be able to stand, open Your Word, and talk to people. Thank You that they valued Your house and hearing the Word and being among God's people enough to Make the effort to be here this morning. I pray you'll bless that effort, bless the time that they've taken to do that, and Lord, thank you that they wanted to. I pray you'll bless, help your people to be bold. Help, help us, please. I need that. Your people need that. Um, Lord, when when fears mount, the uh, boldness decreases. And God, we don't want to, we don't want to be governed at all by fear. And we know. That's not the spirit you give us. So, Lord, help us to be a bold people, trusting you, live for you. And I pray you'll help someone to that thought they've had that maybe they should talk to that neighbor or friend, a loved one. They'll quit just thinking about it and they'll actually take that step. Grant boldness to your people. May they they follow you. Help them. Lord, all our ages need it, but I pray you'll especially help and and embolden our young people to live for you. Be godly. Do what's right. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Amen. Let's stand together and I'm going to ask you this very straightforward question.